Pro-life rallies and Christian church services are being disrupted, and now pregnancy care centers and pro-life offices are being vandalized and even destroyed. How do pro-lifers prepare ourselves for the storm that is upcoming with the overturning of Roe versus Wade? Stay tuned and have a conversation with Mark Harrington of Created Equal. Hi, folks, and welcome back to the Pro-Life Guys podcast. My name is Cam Cote, and I am your host. For those of you who have been longtime listeners, this is my first episode without my wonderful colleague, friend, and up until now co-host, Peter Boss. Unfortunately, Peter Boss has um, taken the next step away from the Pro-Life Guys podcast. He is no longer one of the hosts here. He is moving on with his wife into a next chapter of his life. Um... And it's really sad. I, I got to admit, I, I have grown to appreciate and love Peter in in a very brother in Christ kind of way over the last two years working with him on the podcast. I, I've had the opportunity to work with him with CCBR for eight, eight years or so now. I remember um, almost six or seven years ago now, he came to Calgary to work with me for about three weeks as he was taking on some more leadership in our Eastern office and and get some mentorship on how to lead um, one of the offices out there. So it's been an absolute joy working with Peter. Can't say enough about him as a man, as a um, incredible brother in Christ in the movement. And so I wish him and his family all the best in this next chapter of their life. And for those of you who are new, this is a show. I'm, I'm a pro-life guy, and the Pro-Life Guys podcast is passionate and dedicated to equipping you with the tools that you need to have compassionate and compelling conversations about abortion so that you can change minds, save lives, and transform our culture. And with that, we have obviously tons of content here on the podcast. You can find us on all your um, social media um platforms as well. And and you can go to our, our website, prolifeguys.com, and check out the merch section if you want to get some sweet Pro-Life Guys content like drinking vessels, like the t-shirts that Peter and I have been wearing on and off um, for the last little while. But without further ado, I want to get into today's topic because this was really not even on my radar tremendously until Mark Harrington, um, executive director and founder of Created Equal. We've had him on the program before to talk about how to survive and thrive within the pro-life movement as a full-time, part-time, or long-time volunteer. Uh, we've had him on the show before, but he posted on Instagram yesterday, I want to say, um, time of recording, about with the escalating violence happening directed towards pro-lifers and pro-life organizations in America, if you need help preparing yourself for the upcoming storm, he's there to help. Groups like Created Equal, groups like the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform, or CCBR, the one that I work for, um, we have been doing proactive pro-life outreach for an, a very long time, and we have developed a, a very rigorous um, security protocol to ensure that our team members and the members of the public are as safe as possible with all of the events that we are conducting um, so that we can have these productive conversations about abortion, that polarization and violence don't serve anyone, particularly not the pro-life movement. We're here not because we view abortion advocates as enemies, but rather because we want to collaborate with everybody around us so that we can solve problems without killing innocent humans. We we obviously need to start by demonstrating the fact that these are innocent humans that we're talking about. But building on that, we need to flow into conversations about how 
recognizing that human life begins at fertilization and all humans get human rights, we need to have better solutions for the legitimate and very, very dire situations that so many mothers and fathers are faced with. These problems demand solutions. However, that solution can't involve killing an innocent child. And so we have had a very extensive security protocol for a very long time. Um, this is traced back all the way to CBR in the States with Greg Cunningham. We imported a lot of his protocol. We've developed it and augmented it um, and enhanced it as necessary and as relevant. But I think that it's valuable to dive into this, particularly right now, because as some of you might have seen, we are in... Um, experiencing a spike in pro-abortion violence directed towards pro-lifers and pro-life organizations in the um, anticipation of the overturning of Roe versus Wade with the Dobbs versus Jackson Whole Health Supreme Court ruling, which we're anticipating to be delivered at some point in June. Some of you may have seen the articles, I'll post them in the show notes, um, shared from live action about how on the night of June 6th, the Compassion Care Pregnancy Services Center, pregnancy care center that is literally dedicated towards helping uh, moms and dads who are in crisis pregnancy navigate what they're going through with material and other support. Um, this, this facility in Buffalo, New York was firebombed by abortion advocates who was claimed by the pro-abortion terrorist organization, um, Jane's Revenge. I don't want to give them too much airtime. I'm going to mention them a little bit through the episode. Um, but this act of terrorism, thankfully, nobody was hurt. Um, it happened overnight, so there's no clinic staff or volunteers or moms or dads present when um, the explosions went off and the fires um, ensued. However, the, the center is destroyed. We're seeing footage of it and seeing pictures, as you'll see in the, the link below in the description. Um, th this place is absolutely annihilated. And this is something that it's important for pro-lifers not to accept, not to embrace, but to prepare for. This isn't a matter of we need to pack up shop and go running for the hills. We've known for a long time that abortion advocates if people are willing to dismember, decapitate, and disembowel preborn children for the sake of, of whatever they're going through, whether it's a selfish passion and desire or whether it's a crazy situation that they find themselves in, if they're willing to go to those ends, many of those people may be willing to go to ends to defend that access as well. And so this isn't fear-mongering. This isn't about how to how to um, dig some some two-mile-deep bunkers in North Dakota or anything like that. This is how do we function as a pro-life movement with prudence, with courage, and with intelligence in this time to ensure that we are putting ourselves in the best position possible so that we can continue our pro-life outreach. And so um, I'm joined by Mark, uh, Mark Harrington, Executive Director and Co-Founder of Created Equal, who's done a tremendous amount of support here. Definitely want to encourage you to check out this interview. Um, and if you have any questions, I'll get to some contact info at the end as well. But you can absolutely touch base with either Mark Harrington or myself, um, depending on where you live. And we can hopefully give you the best advice possible for you and your group so that you can safely continue doing your life-saving pro-life ministry. So tune into the um, this episode. It was a really, really fascinating episode. So please do. Mark Harrington, thanks so much for joining the show again. How How's life with you? Things are great. Uh, we're looking forward to the imminent overturning of Roe versus Wade here in America. I'm counting on it. 
And uh, if I'm predicting this right, I need to go to Vegas because I think it's going to happen on June 27th. We'll be in Washington if it does. <laughs> June 27th. Mark, the, mark your calendar, folks. It, it's going to be one of those like um, baby birth announcement sort of thing for everyone in the office takes takes out dates. And so certainly there's obviously a ton of excitement, a ton of mm-hmm. energy around the imminent overturning of Roe versus Wade. But Mark, as, as some of those in our audience are probably a little bit familiar and some may have just heard as I gave the introduction here, um, there, there's a growing maybe sense of apprehension or just kind mm-hmm. of curiosity around increasing violence in yeah. the pro-abortion movement directed towards pro-lifers. And I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of a um, overview of, of what you've seen happening. You're, you're in the midst of it. You're one of the most active pro, mm-hmm. pro-life groups out there. What are you seeing? What have you right. heard? What do we need to be aware of? Well, a lot of folks were predicting riots, you know, like we saw in 2020 across America for over 100 days. That didn't happen when the we the the draft was leaked, the Alito draft on the Dobbs decision, which I kind of figured it wouldn't be like that. But there were protests around the country and there were random uh, acts of violence and, and vandalism and that kind of thing. But I didn't really expect it to look like it did in the summer of 2020. And so that's a good thing. I mean, it could have been worse. (laughs) But since then, I've noticed that uh, they're getting more bold. Uh, They're they're calling for a summer of rage. That's not a good thing. That doesn't sound good to me. They're planning on blocking uh, or shutting down Washington, D.C. on Monday. That doesn't sound good either. Uh, So, you know, we're seeing the rhetoric start to ramp up. Uh, And that's concerning to me. Of course, if you've been following, there have been some of the uh, PRCs, one in Buffalo. I think there was one just the other day. One in Buffalo was actually firebombed. There's been several have been vandalized. So, you know, unfortunately, that's a concern. I think you're going to see more of that when it comes to facilities being attacked. And then we had yesterday the news that a man was arrested in Washington, D.C., for plotting to assassinate uh, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. And I, I think that one's when I went, uh-oh, we're in a whole different realm now. It's time to really take serious the threats that are coming our way. And so that's why I put out a little you know, little blurb out to everybody saying, hey, if you're concerned about security, I'm, no, you know, I'm not an expert per se on the fact that I've had to deal with this over the last... 15 years, let me know. And so I've been talking to people around the country what they can do to try to protect themselves, their facilities and their people. Yeah. And and I'm glad that you posted that. I, I saw it on Instagram. It it dawned on me right away of like this would be phenomenal to get out to our audience, to the general public, for people who might not know where their organization like, do we need to talk to Mark about security? What what do we need to know? For a lot of groups, security might have been at like not even on their radar for the longest time. Maybe they're not incredibly invested into direct outreach. Maybe they're mostly pregnancy care center and this Mm -hmm. intuitive idea of who could hate a pro-life pregnancy care center. We are literally here to help underprivileged moms and their families. And 
who could ever be yeah. upset with that? And yet, um, I, I don't want to give him too much airtime because I don't think that's going to help a whole lot. But Jane's Revenge, this pro-abortion group right. that has put out this calling for every pro-life organization to disband in the next, uh, I think you got, I think you have like 20 days left. I don't know if you guys have, have set plans to disband yet, Mark, but I'm assuming not. Um, no, we're going to add a year for every day that they told us we needed to disband. We'll add that to how long we're going to be around. <laughs> gotcha. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And yet I'm sure that there's a few people that saw this on Twitter and saw, oh my goodness, maybe mm. maybe this isn't what I signed up for. Maybe this isn't what I mm. I wanted to get involved with when I got involved with my local pro-life group. Is this something that we should heed? Is this something that for the protection of all human life we should heed? I'm sure that you've probably got a quick one-liner on not heeding that advice to to close your doors and whatnot. But what what is a pro-life group? How do they start the conversation with their team, whether their board of directors, their their management team, or even their volunteer team? If it's just a volunteer-led group, what are the first few things that they need to keep in mind when they start approaching the question of security? Yeah, well, I, I reference our, our president who said it's going to get real mm. <laughs> and it's going to get real. And, and these are the days that we've been hoping for and the fact that we're going to overturn Roe, hopefully. Right. Yeah. So preparing for that day, we've done that here. A lot of groups haven't, but it's not too late and they need yeah. to get down to business and do some basic things. We're not talking about getting paranoid about all this. We're talking about taking some practical steps to, to secure your facilities and other things and your people in the event that you might be a victim of, mm -hmm. of, 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 of vandalism or even worse. Yeah. So that's what we've done here. You can't, every contingency you can't predict, you just got to do the basic stuff. And if you do that, then you've done what you can do. Um, beyond that, hey, listen, we can't predict everything. We can't make a plan for every single contingency mm -hmm. out there, but there are some certain things that we know that they may attempt. And those are the things we can protect ourselves against. Absolutely. And maybe let's start diving into that. And, and let's start by looking at organizations like yours and ours, uh, Mark, where groups that yeah. are proactively visible on campuses, on street corners, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't have a super public office. Maybe you do. We'll get into the office um, kind of right. set up and, and how to secure the office in a little bit better way. But for groups like ours, Mark, that are going out on street corners, proactively putting ourselves into situations where we're looking to encounter and have meaningful conversations with people. What are some some tips that you guys have done? I know that we've got some security measures, but I'd love to kick off where you're at and then maybe throw some ideas right. back and forth on things that we've done. How do you equip your teams that are going out to a campus or a street corner to make sure mm -hmm. that they are as safe and as able to follow up with any incident that might occur as possible? Yeah, well, we've we've like you, we've learned by doing this mm, over the years. Yeah. So, and we've just kind of accumulated what we call a standard operating procedure when it comes to outreach. And there's some basic things you need to do. And the first is just situational awareness. That is, when you land, meaning when you drop your people off for an outreach, just be aware of your situation. Have yeah. someone designated to be your security person. Exactly. Uh, they don't have to be a professional. All they have to be is eyeballs on the, the area in which you're doing the outreach, and that's their main role. Now, a lot of organizations can't provide that because they just don't have enough folks. So you have to train your people to be able to do both. And that means conduct the outreach, but also keep those eyeballs like this, and then go back to your subject. So we teach our folks to constantly keep their head on a swivel 
to just be monitoring the situation, but don't lose you know touch with the person you're talking to. If you're lucky enough to have someone that can actually just do the security, by all means, that's great. Otherwise, you're just going to have to learn to do a, a couple things at the same time. But the situation awareness is the most important thing. Even before that, if you're going into a place that you've never been before, we do a lot of reconnaissance. We do it online. We'll look at Google Earth. We'll drop the little man down there and look around and make sure that we're all good and where we're going to be. We may even make a physical uh, uh, you know, visit to the location prior to just to kind of scope it out. These are all things you can do just to make it a lot simpler for when you get there. What we don't want is surprises, <laughs> you know, something that you could have predicted if you would have gone or if you would have done the extra thing or extra step. We don't want surprises. Now, you can't predict everything, but there are a lot of things you can you can you can figure before you go if you just do the the uh, advance work. Mm-hmm. And so that's the first thing, just situational awareness. Gotcha. I, I think that's so helpful. And one of my favorite lines to, to share with our interns, especially we have a group of about a dozen interns here in Calgary right now. One of my favorite lines, it sounds so simple and, and almost borderline dumb that I say over and over and over again is nothing ever happens until it happens. You yeah, never need to be true. ready until you need to be ready because right. you might be sitting there. If you're the dedicated security person and you're standing over to the side, keeping an eye on everything, and you've been standing there for 45 minutes, you can't afford to to lose your attention and pull out your phone and check your fantasy baseball stats or anything like that That's because right. you never That's need right. security until you need security. And and I I guess to to mine a little bit further into that, um, one thing that that I'm sure you and I would assume goes without saying but probably should be said is the value of security cameras when when you say having Mm -hmm. a security person we're not just talking about somebody over in the corner twiddling their thumbs we're talking about having somebody with a dedicated camera maybe like you said if if they don't if your group doesn't have enough people to have a dedicated camera i've seen members Mm -hmm. of your team wearing gopros so they can capture events i i saw an instant that you guys had um maybe um partly an instant partly just a really unsavory interaction that you guys had with some people at a high school where security guard was not going to jump in and she was spewing all kinds of vitriol right. and pushing people. The value of that camera in follow-up and, and preventing more incidents. Let's talk a little bit about how cameras and, and recorded footage have been able to help you and your team in following up with incidents. And so it's not just hearsay, but rather being able to present evidence on an incident, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. You know, to back up just a hair here, uh, what you were talking about is normalcy bias. That's what security people talk about. And I have people come to me and say, well, it's never happened before. (laughs) And I'm like, well, that's the reason why we should pay attention, because once it happens, you better be prepared to deal with it. So just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it's going to happen. Uh, Our government has a saying, this happened after 9-11, that was, if you see something, say something, you know, profiling people, looking for people that don't fit in, that might just look a little bit odd. Make sure you're contacting and letting people know, hey, keep your eye on that guy. Uh, when it comes to uh, video, that's key. Uh, whether you can wear a GoPro, which we do and all of our staff and volunteers wear them if we can get them each one. But if you don't have somebody with a camera that's prepared to, you know, turn it on and film in in the event that something goes down. Now, that sometimes can be too late. Uh, If you can have a camera and have it running all the time, all the better. 
But we have found that as far as it goes, that acts as a, a deterrent. If someone sees a camera, they're less likely to act out violently or, or vandalize your stuff. If they see you wearing one, more than likely, they're less likely to do it. Now, in today's world, that doesn't matter as much as it used to. But still, that is a deterrent. The other thing is, if you're going to prosecute, which we suggest you do heavily, if something happens, you have to have film. If you don't have film, you don't have a case. That's just the way it works today. If you just report this to the police and you have no video, I got news for you. They are not going to do nothing. They're not going to do anything about it for the most part. So video is very important to document what happened, be able to give that over to law enforcement, and then they can prosecute the case. So that's, it's so key to have video. I, you know, I get people call me up and say, they, hey, man, this just happened to me at the, at, the, uh, at, the, uh, at the abortion clinic. And they'll tell me the story. And I say, do you have video? Uh, no. Uh, well, you know, I'm not sure I can help you a whole lot here. Next time, have video. It, it pays for itself in spades. Totally. And, and that video, whether that's a dedicated like camcorder, you don't need to have a $2,000 um, no. television set camera. I mean, we have all of our team members pull out their cell phones. As soon as an incident happens, exactly. safely pull out your, your cell phone so that you can get as much coverage of an incident as possible. And, uh, and now in yeah. the U.S., and I want to make a point here in the U.S., yeah, we had this the other day with the video you're talking about. Uh, there are laws regarding uh, videotaping and recording in some states in the U.S. You know, you have a, it's a one party state or a two party state. If it's a one party state. Only one person has to be aware of the filming. That's you. Yeah. That's OK. Some states like Maryland, it's a two party state. So they have to the, the, the person you're filming or others have to be aware of the fact that you're filming. The mm. fact that you're wearing it on your chest <laughs> is enough. The fact that you're holding it up is yeah. enough. You don't have to say, hey, by the way, I'm filming you. No, they know it by seeing the video. So even in two party states, yeah. as long as you've got that video uh, or a camera, what have you, uh, visible to the public, mm -hmm. you're probably OK, uh, legally speaking. Yeah. And, and it's always an interesting question when when you have somebody that comes up to you and says, please stop videoing me to, to yeah. just throw back of like, are you planning on doing something? Because I feel like I <laughs> yeah, should be extra you videoing you right now. <laughs> so, no, absolutely. Exactly. And in the standard line, and I, I imagine it's like this in Canada, but yeah. you lose a reasonable expectation of privacy in a public area. And that's our standard line. If somebody comes up and objects to to videotaping, we say, listen, you don't have the right to tell you, you're in a public area, therefore you you relinquish your right to to privacy, so to speak. If you don't like it, just leave the area. <laughs> That's how it works. Uh, so we're, you know we're in the, as far as legally speaking, we can videotape in a public space. Absolutely. Uh, one one last thing I'm going to say on the video before I move into a little bit about people versus property. Be smart mm -hmm. about how you do your videoing. Make sure that you're capturing the the incident. You don't need to be two miles away, but also let's right. make sure that we're not like ramming a camera up into somebody's face because a camera can prevent es escalation until people get super defensive because you've rammed something into their face and now they're getting defensive and pushing back against you. And so let, let's just right. be smart. Sometimes they get mad. They get more mad about the fact that you're videotaping them than they're, than you're it, displaying abortion victim photos. I mean, so that, that you're right. That, that can escalate things. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So let's move into kind of the the second of four that I want to bounce off of you. And and that's just maybe a, a quick note on people versus property. I mean, you've done hundreds of different street corner displays with signs, signs that you're holding, mm-hmm. stands that you're, signs that you're standing beside. I'm sure that you've had your sign stolen at least a few times. And I'm sure that you would rather not have your sign stolen. Um, what sure. is kind of your policy on how, how much you're going to try to wrestle a sign from somebody? How much are you going yeah. to chase somebody down? And what is the balance between protecting your people and protecting your property, I guess? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Obviously, we tell our people, you have the right to protect yourself. And we train our people as best we can in self-defense. And those are defensive moves to uh, to to prevent or, or at least stop an attack and then flee. And we can get into that a little bit. But so you can protect yourself. You have the right to do that. Obviously, we would want someone to do that. But when it comes to property, property is expendable to us. I mean, these signs don't cost that much. Even if they did, I wouldn't want someone to put their uh, put them at personal risk to protect a sign that costs us about $50, you know, it just doesn't make sense. So if somebody goes about trying to destroy a sign, steal a sign, we don't intervene physically to stop them. Now we will politely ask them to stop and we will notify law enforcement to come out and hopefully apprehend them. But if that never, if if the law enforcement ends up showing up late and the person's gone, I mean, we don't pursue them. Uh, we used to a little more than we do now, but we don't pursue them because, again, that that can lead into uh, additional concerns security wise where you have a couple people going off site to follow someone. And then, you know, you have no way of knowing how they might react if they're being followed. So unfortunately, we lose a lot of signs. We just had one vandalized today. And I tell our people, you know, do what you can document it. We got it on film. Uh, in some cases, we'll notify the police and, and, and file a report. And we, we don't do it every time. We used to do it every time. But be honest with you, it just came down to the fact that it was too much. I mean, we're constantly filing these reports, dealing with 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 cor- courts and prosecutors. And, and when all said and done, most of the time they never got punished. Yeah. Gotcha. We, I don't want to in- telegraph that to our other side, but <laughs> I mean, to say, hey, come vandalize our stuff. You're not going to get punished for it. But that is the truth of the matter, unfortunately. Yeah. And and it's infuriating, obviously, to have that as the mm-hmm. case. And yet, like you yeah. said, regardless of whether it gets followed up on or not, having that record is mm-hmm. so valuable because especially we've had it a few times in Vancouver, actually, where we've had the same person come and vandalize our signs on multiple occasions. And yeah. maybe nothing will, um, ended up being prosecuted after the first occasion. But thankfully, after the second and third occasion, this became not a quote unquote act of um, of the moment or an act of emotion mm-hmm. or, or something like that. Yeah. Act of passion, I guess, is often the lingo. But Right. No, this is a premeditated, this person comes out whenever we're on this corner, they're a business owner and they're going to vandalize our sign. This is premeditated. This is not done under passion. And having right. that record of, no, here's him doing it on May 31st and here's him doing it on July 2nd and here's mm-hmm. him doing it again on August whatever can really help build your case. 
Um, yeah, we don't. We're not going to fight every battle, and we're not going to die on every hill. I mean, yeah. somebody just walks by and knocks over your sign. Don't call the police. I mean, yeah. just put the sign back up and ask them to behave themselves. But, exactly. I mean, that's really because it just happens too often to to distract us and get us away from the main reason we're there. Yeah, absolutely. And and anecdotally, I'll just to share an anecdote before we move into the the next one about the the value and when to and when not to possibly prosecute. Just an anecdote on protecting your people over signs. We had an incident a couple years ago, unfortunately, where we had one of our volunteers really try to hang on to a sign, and this turned into a wrestling match. And unfortunately, this yeah. this girl fell down, and thankfully she didn't fall into the road, but she was really close to falling into the road. It was at a a downtown area and so there's no fast moving traffic or anything but that's just you never think and and obviously you're not thinking about pushing somebody into traffic or anything like that but you never know when somebody's going to lose footing or something like that it's just not worth it it's just not worth trying to hang on to like you said a, a 50 or 100 dollar sign when right and, either... and i would say the other thing it's just not a good look because if yeah. this gets reported in the media yeah. guess who they're going to blame yeah. The pro-life activist, not the abortion activist that came and trashed your stuff. So we're always going to get blamed for this kind of thing. That's why we teach our people passive, nonviolent resistance. Don't intervene when it comes to equipment and our, our signs and so forth. Yeah, and, and maybe that's a, a fantastic transition into just a quick note on what do we mean by that? Because obviously, as I mentioned off the top in the intro of this episode, we're against all abortion-related violence. We're not out here trading blow for blow. We're not um, mm -hmm. getting revenge or anything like that. Um, every right. group is going to go about their self-defense a little bit differently. But you had mentioned off the a uh, couple moments ago that idea of enough force to free yourself and to flee, basically. Is that, is that kind of the policy mm -hmm. that you guys run with? Yeah, we've we've put our people through a basic self-defense course, which is a, the ability to just protect your vital, mm -hmm. you know, your head and everything, yeah. and then be able to to get free from the attacker. Yeah. Uh, basically, n not not offensive moves, completely yeah. defensive moves. Yeah. Uh, you know, the issue with this is we are not trained self-defense people. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> totally. we just want to protect ourselves and not get hurt. Yeah. And so that's all we do. We have somebody come in and train us for that. But it's all about muscle memory, as you know. I mean, if, if this doesn't happen, and, and thank God it doesn't, but yeah. we need people to uh, be able to react if it does. So every semester we have a little bit of a, you know, we regroup and go back through the basics. And so that we're at least familiar with some of the tactics you can take to defend yourself and get free from an attacker. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's the policy that we'll take up here. And if anyone has any further questions, I'm sure they can reach out to you or our group, depending on where they're at. Yeah. And I'll uh, say this. I mean, we're talking about organizations. So I mean, yeah. we were able to afford a GoPro. We have signs that are dispensable. We can pay for somebody to come in and train us. If you're just an activist that goes out, you know, you might be able to get a GoPro, but if you don't, you got a phone. Yeah. The signs, you know, we'll give them to you for free <laughs> if you need them. Right. <laughs> and when it comes to self-defense, go on YouTube. Go on to YouTube and watch these and then practice them yourself if you have to. Yeah. It's, it's a, there, is, there are plenty of stuff out there available. I can send links to people on basic <laughs> self-defense moves. And at least you have some idea uh, how to respond. Exactly. And and leave the street fighting to, to after hours, not with abortion advocates. That can be with your older <laughs> exactly. brother, your younger sister, exactly. or whomever sort of thing. <laughs> uh, we're, we're not doing right. anything crazy WWE style or anything like that. So Right. 
Cool. One more before we move into um, protecting your your kind of place of work, if that's uh, made available, or, or even if it's not, I guess. And maybe just a thought on the importance at times of prosecuting, because I think there's a couple factors yeah. that we've spoken through about this. I, I don't know if it's some version of Stockholm syndrome or something like that, where mm. sometimes we just feel bad of, you know what, this kid, they're in high school and yes, they punched me in the eye yeah. and yes, they broke my sign, but I just feel bad for the kid. I don't want to send him to prison. I'm not going to pursue any kind of legal repercussion. That might right. sound good, but there's a few reasons why it is actually really valuable at times to pursue not only um, police intervention, but also legal recourse to prevent this from happening again. Um, maybe, maybe speak a little bit yeah. to that, Mark, if you could. Yeah, it, it, to us, it's an art, not a science. There isn't mm -hmm. a one way, one size fits all. Example, we're at the University of Maryland, student knocks over a sign, couple of them in a row, and the police apprehend them. They're standing there with the police. I'm standing there with the woman. She looks remorseful, no damage to the signs. They look at me and say, do you want to file a complaint? And I just asked her, I said, are you, are you sorry for what you did? And she said, yes. Will you never do it again? And she said, yes. And I said, all right, then please just respect our rights to free speech just as we respect yours. And we're done. But that could have, you know, if you if you take a one size fits all, we would charge them. Uh, so we, we, we just have to you just have to kind of work it out if they're repent. I mean, if they if they're sorry for what they've done, we've had them even write out a, a letter uh, apologizing. And in some cases, we've dropped the charges. Gotcha. That makes sense. And I think it's important to keep in the back of our minds that, that something, whether it's yeah, a written response, something like that is valuable. At the mm -hmm. very least, having the police involved, especially for more major right. instances. We have instances broken into six different levels at CCBR and different oh, levels wow. are going to require Very a good. different degree of um, engagement. But part of it is mm -hmm. that if somebody can come by and punch you in the nose and there's no repercussion afterwards, then this isn't about whether or not you're willing to have your nose punched in. This is about the person after you, because maybe right. you are, but maybe the next person isn't. And if, if I can get away with punching one person in the nose, then maybe next time I punch the whole group in the nose and I get into a big fist brawl with everybody, this isn't just about repunitive justice and, and locking people up in prison because we want to fill up our penitentiaries. No, this is about protecting right. our team and protecting our team, especially in the future, because sometimes mm -hmm. people are emboldened by, okay, well, I got off scot-free by doing that. Maybe I can get away with even more, something like that. It, it's worth right. keeping in mind, not only what you're willing and able to endure, but thinking about the future of the movement as well and whether we are setting a precedent that it's okay to harm pro-lifers or if it's not okay and that we can't I agree. Um, agree with this going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely need to send a signal to those who might do this, that if they do it, they're going to be charged. Yeah. And so, you know, but again, you got to kind of totally. weigh the options there when it happens as to whether you want to pursue it or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Let, let's switch gears a little bit, Mark. Let's talk a little bit about facilities because I, I don't know mm -hmm. if your office is posted publicly, but regardless of whether you've got a big banner around front of your office saying local <laughs> pro-life group or not, yeah. whether you work from home, yeah. whether you do anything like that, what kind of yeah. security precautions are worth bearing in mind for groups um, that want to make sure that they're safe in their place of office and place of work? Yeah. Well, the thing is with the PRCs, they are public. 
they do list their addresses. And I think in part, that's why you're seeing them being attacked here in the U.S. A lot of organizations like ours do everything we can to not publish our location for obvious reasons. So if it's possible for you to remain, uh, you know, kind of uh, anonymous, if you will, and not on the Internet with your address, by all means, do that. And we also try to scrub any information where someone might be searching for it. Uh, now, if somebody wants to find it more than likely if they'd work hard enough, they might. But we don't want to make it easy. So we do what we can to not list it online. Uh, I think just be- basic stuff. I mean, this is just like securing your own home. Do you have good locks? Right. Do you leave the door open or unlocked? Bad idea. <laughs> I mean, keep it locked for sure. If someone comes and knocks on the door, don't let strangers in the building. I mean, you know, even if they look like they're delivering a package, no, they should stay outside until you confirm who they are. Don't let them inside. Uh, if you can get uh, security cameras, by all means, nowadays you can buy them cheap. Uh, Ring and other devices are, are are fairly inexpensive. Just basic cameras will help. Uh, lighting matters, something like that. The more light, the better, especially if people are going to try to vandalize the building. Beyond that, card access, those kinds of things, that's a little bit more expensive. Alarm systems, I think, are important to protect the building when you're not here from burglary. Uh, Window coating that keeps the window from being shattered. If you notice lately, what they've done is they busted windows and thrown a Molotov cocktail in to torch it. So those are some of the steps you can take with electronic security. But it's just like trying to secure your home, secure your building as best you can. Yeah. And and try to make sure that you don't have a single person working in the office late at night. They, they, intuitive so. things, right? That that yep. make sure that you're in a safe spot, just like at your house. You're, you're probably not going to be um, inviting all of the neighborhood into your house while it's just you and your, uh, your young child in there alone. You're going to take precautions, like you said. I, I think there's right. a ton of wisdom in that. Uh, yeah. And when you arrive for work, look around. When you leave for work, look around, lock your car. These are simple things. Uh, One of the things we've been telling our people when we're shooting video inside the building, don't disclose the inside, you know, how the how the building actually looks. Do do things where you're not providing someone who might be trying to do you harm information. Uh, Assume that everything you're publishing is going to be looked at by someone who could do you harm. And so if you do that. Again, you've taken the basic precautions against that kind of stuff. Yeah, turn location off on your phone when you're recording your Instagram yep. stuff and, and TikTok yep. videos and whatever. When stuff. you're coming back from activism, th- this isn't like some crazy spy thriller where you're having to make sure there aren't people weaving in and out of traffic. But no. if, if you just came back from a, a massive display... Uh, maybe maybe make sure that you're not being followed by a, the exact group of hooligans that were counter-protesting your event. That you should always thing. look in your rearview mirror when you leave outreach. And if you need to find an alternative uh, way back to your whatever location you're operating out of, by yeah. all means do that. These are basic yeah. things that basic you can things. do to try to mitigate against you know some bad actors out there. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, last kind of area that, that we'll dive into um, in the, the kind of tech and IT world before we get into some general mm-hmm. themes to wrap up here, Mark. Um, you guys have done a lot of work with your website. You're, you're, I, I think that you have one of the better pro-life websites out there when it comes For to sure, usability, mobile version, desktop version, all that kind of stuff. What kind of IT security might be worth keeping in mind, not only so that your your website doesn't get taken down, but so that right. you're not losing access to sensitive information, whether through your email, through your, your Google Drive, through different things like that. What kind of IT security might be relevant for people to keep in mind? Yeah, well, I'm not a tech person, but uh, we learned the lesson about a year and a half ago here in the U.S. when a lot of companies were canceling conservative organizations, uh, Parler being one who, you know, social media site got taken down because they hosted it on Amazon servers. Bad idea. Don't do that. Find a company or if you do it in-house that you can rely on that isn't going to cancel you, that's a friendly. If you do host your website off-site, find a friendly company to your, you know, to the, to the pro-life message and host it there or host it on your own website and back it up or, or on your in your own uh, location. And then make sure you have a backup to that thing continually happening. So if you do get attacked, a cyber attack by a hacker, you have the backup. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I'm sure that this is a little bit old school, but uh, as much as cloud services are great for backing up content, uh, it's tough to go wrong with a, a hard backup, whether that's a server, right. whether that's a thumb drive, whether that's a massive stack of, of terabyte um, hard drives and whatnot. Back your stuff up so that... If mm-hmm. you get attacked and if we get deplatformed by something, I, I, I don't want to be fear-mongering around the, the Microsoft offices and the, the Googles and whatnot too much. But I think it's important to, be, right. to realize that these people certainly aren't our friends. They might not quite be our full-blown enemies quite yet, but it's not like you're going to have a personal line to, to Mr. Bill Gates himself and he'll be like, oh, okay, Mark, I, I understand where you're coming from. I'll give you access back to your OneDrive sort of thing. Um, cloud stuff yeah. is great for regular use, but a, a solid hard drive or a server system that's in-house is really valuable as well, right? Yeah. Also, I'd say antivirus software. Make sure yeah. that every machine you have in the building is, is up to date on that. So you can't, you know, somebody you can't plant a virus uh, yep. somehow. Uh, we use encrypted communications. That's important as well with your phones, whether yep. it be text or phone calling as much as possible doing that. Firewalls with your network. Yep. These are important things. Uh, and then just be wary of emails that you receive that are phishing emails. Mm. Don't click on them. I mean, be, be, <laughs> be able to detect these. Because that's somehow that sometimes how they gain access to some of your uh, technology. So these are just basic stuff that you can just communicate with your people to keep your eyes on. Whether you're doing this as an organization or individually, these are these are the types of things that we should be doing to protect ourselves. Exactly. And, and like you'd mentioned beforehand, when it came to people who were hanging around um, your outreach displays in a kind of a weird, un- unexpected kind of way, same thing goes with this, mm-hmm. that, that not often anymore are we getting the African prince emailing us asking for a particular volume of rubies anymore. Like it, yeah. time and time again, it's an email from a Mark Harrington that is That's asking right. like, hey, can you check this video for me to make sure that it's exactly. okay? And okay, well, Mark's never sent me a video to check on before. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't click on this kind of thing. I, I've gotten several of them from 
pastors at my church where they've gotten hacked into somehow and Mm -hmm. okay well why is my priest asking for itunes gift cards right now or something like that like like be aware of things that, that don't strike you quite right. If, yeah. if your pastor is constantly asking for iTunes gift cards, normally, I mean, maybe there's other questions to be asked there, but um, <laughs> certainly if they yeah. don't ask you very often, that, that should stand out as something kind of odd. Right. Anything that stands out, take a minute, pause, ask somebody else, make sure you don't do anything, uh, you know, on the spur of the moment. Gotcha. 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 Last thing I want to pick your brain on is just kind of overarching. Um, I, I've had this, I, I don't know if you're a big Lord of the Rings kind of guy. I, I'm a bit of a Lord of the Rings guy. And and it, for a moment, I was thinking of that that scene where Pippin and Gandalf are standing on the, the like patio in Minas Tirith looking at the, the fire blazing. And, and talking about how this battle is upcoming, and I just wish that I could get through it. The worst part about it is standing on the edge of a battle that I can't avoid. And then it dawned on me that, yeah. like, we're not provoking battle. This isn't like a, a conventional no. war where the pro-lifers have this coming and it's been been years in the works. I know that abortion advocates have been trying to frame it that way, that they're simply working defensively. I think maybe let's just close a little bit on the attitude that pro-lifers should be going into this. Pro-lifers shouldn't have to expect violence in this. Pro-lifers shouldn't feel like they were the ones who started this and now we're we're having a drag them out, punch them up kind of battle. Pro-lifers are here because we want a better option for moms and dads. We want to stop killing mm-hmm. children to try to solve our problems. What kind of attitude right. do you try to steep your team members in as they engage in, in activism that unfortunately is probably experiencing a higher rate of incidents. How do you keep them grounded in a polarization doesn't help us? As soon as I make them my enemies, then I've already lost half the battle. What what kind of message do you try to impart with your team so that they maintain an attitude of productive engagement with the general public and not mm-hmm. fearful um, opposition, I guess? Well, we should come to expect the kind of behavior we're seeing. And uh, therefore, when it happens, we're not shocked by it. And understand that those who dismember children will also likely resort to some other types of violence or other illegal acts. I mean, that's just goes with the territory. I think the fact that we have gone 50 years relatively untouched in this country uh, is is by the grace of God. I mean, it's just now that we're beginning to see an uptick in all of this. And so we just need to say, hey, th- we signed up for this. I mean, we didn't know and we weren't inviting it. We weren't saying, hey, we want this to come. But we knew what could come our way because of the people we're dealing with. But we also need to keep in mind that these are people acting out of, out of hurt, anger, trying to express their disagreement with us in ways that are very disagreeable. <laughs> But on the one hand, you know, we we don't want to tolerate it. But on the other, we got to understand where they're coming from. Now, of course, somebody that's going to take and assassinate our Supreme Court justice, there's no room. They need to be put away forever. But some of these people are just, as I say, some of the ones that come by on our campus outreaches, you know, they're just they're not thinking they're just being stupid. The other ones that are premeditating the acts, which we're seeing, that's a different story. We need to take it very seriously. Uh, I don't want to scare our team. I don't want to scare the pro-life movement, the people that I know. But I basically have said this lately. It's time to hunker down. Now, I got criticized for that a little bit because people say, no, this is the time to go forth and take more ground. And I'm like, yeah, 
that's true, but let's get through the next month. <laughs> Keep your head low right now. Keep your head low and let's get through this next month because we know what's coming. And then when it settles down, which it will, within weeks or months, it'll settle back down a little bit. We can go back to the work. Uh, doesn't mean we stop, but we don't want to be stupid about it and, and, and aggravate them further. So that's what we're doing. We're just taking precautions like everybody else should. The work continues, but keep your head down. I, I think that that's brilliant. And, and that actually reminds me of a question I wanted to ask you. I, again, not to give too much time to this James Revenge, but I know that they have put out a lot of info about this June 20th night of pro-life uh, um, abortion rage kind of thing. It's safe to say that you wow. guys aren't planning on doing choice chain in the middle of those streets and hunting those no, people No, that out. would be stupid. That would be stupid. <laughs> yes. Be very stupid. That would be dumb. That is not our target audience right now. No. Those are not the people that we're trying to convert necessarily in mm -hmm. that moment. That that is not prudent. That is not wise. That is downright stupid. Please <laughs> do not exacerbate things by trying to seek out those people in your city and getting attacked by them. Because Mark, I, I'm sure that you would echo the sentiments that a pro-lifer's time and energy is far more valuable almost always on a street corner on a doorstep having a meaningful conversation rather than recovering in a hospital bed um, after an, an instant like that, right? Right. I mean, having said that, we are going to Washington, and if you happen to be there for the uh, decision of Dobbs' decision being handed down, we will be there at the front of the Supreme Court on that morning anticipating Dobbs being uh, decided. But that doesn't mean we're going to like stay there for three or four days when the mob increases to 30,000 people and they're totally unruly. No, I mean, we're, we're there to mark the moment and then, you know, do our thing. We'll go back to work the next day. And I think that's the way we need to approach this. Love it. I think there's tremendous wisdom in that and, and Godspeed with you and the team heading out there. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's everything I had on my list. I'm sure Peter would have had a few other questions for you. Anything else that, that you figure we should talk about before we wrap this up? We should be considering this. I, you know, I talked to our team this mm. week because we celebrated, I guess we, we marked yeah. the D-Day invasion, yeah. which was 78 years ago on Monday, where it's the largest land invasion in American history. And it, it was just really the beginning of the ground war in Europe. Uh, yeah. It took several years, of course, to actually end the war completely. But I kind of compare this metaphorically only yeah. to the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And that is we've been looking for that beachhead for a long time. We may be this close to having it here in the United States. And that would be a paradigm shift as to the debate over abortion. And so be praying for that. Our justices are under a whole lot of pressure to cave. They're being threatened. Uh, let's pray that the, the Lido, the leaked decision is the final word on this and we can get on to the work that's ahead of us. Absolutely. And, and Mark, you like four times through this conversation, you have jogged my memory on things that I wanted to mention. And, and that brings me to the, a quote that I, I love. I'm sure you love it as well. Of I think it was Winston Churchill. The, this is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end. This is the end of the beginning. I think there's trem good. tremendous value in that and, and that we, we had a long That's ways to good. go as pro-lifers after Roe v. Wade falls. Yeah. This is, we're not packing up. We're not going home. This is not it. And no. whether you want to identify with the soldiers storming um, Normandy, or whether you want to identify with the Irina Sendlers, the the Corey Ten Booms, the um, Sophie mm -hmm. Scholes, and and others who 
we're engaged in that in a very different way, trying to protect the weak and vulnerable. There's a lot of different metaphors that we can pull out of this, and I think there's a lot of beauty in it. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I uh, maybe let's end it on that quote of this is not the end. Yeah. This is not the beginning of the end. This is the end of the beginning, as it were. It's a good word. All right, folks, that was Mark Harrington, executive director and founder of Created Equal. Um, it, it's always a joy to, to talk with Mark. He's a brilliant, well-seasoned, and very, very incredible. Just, just a joy to work with Mark Harrington. Um, and so I hope that you benefited from that. I hope that that episode doesn't freak you out. Hopefully that doesn't cause you to run to the hills. Hopefully this is just a few um, somewhat intuitive Somewhat, maybe you haven't thought about them a whole lot before because you you never really anticipated this was going to be on the radar for you and your group. Hopefully, there's a few very simple, very manageable protocol that you can integrate into your pro-life outreach to ensure that everybody is safe and this conversation continues to change minds, save lives, and transform culture. Because that's what we're in this for, right? This is, um, as I mentioned at the end there, this is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end. This is the end of the beginning we in the pro-life movement, our highest aim has to be for abortion to no longer be practiced. And while having abortion unaccessible is an angle and a route to get there, there are two very, very important arms to go into that as well. The pastoral arm, making abortion unnecessary for every mother. We need to continue to stock and support our local pregnancy care centers. And the foundation of the pro-life movement, I would argue, is that educational arm, making abortion unthinkable. By changing hearts and minds on the abortion issue, whether with pregnant moms or whether before people even become pregnant, we are turning their path towards pregnancy care centers and towards pro-life politicians before they even become pregnant so that if they find themselves in a challenging situation, they already know that abortion is not an appropriate solution to whatever it is that they may be going through. There are better solutions and there are incredible people at their local pregnancy care center willing and able to help them navigate whatever it is that they're up against. And so let's keep that in mind. Let's, let's remind ourselves that the overturning of Roe v. Wade is not the be-all, end-all. It's a, hopefully a beautiful and important step towards protecting preborn children. And yet this is not the end goal. Neither the end goal in America nor around the world. This is certainly going to impact the abortion conversation where I am in Canada here. It's going to impact the conversation where you are, wherever that may be. And I hope that you can be emboldened to continue this important ministry. As I mentioned at the end there, whether you identify with the, the soldiers storming Normandy or whether you identify with somebody like Irina Sendler, who rescued over a thousand um, Jewish orphans, whether you identify with Nicholas Winton, a man who was able to rescue over 600 Jewish orphans and bring them to the safety of England during the Second World War, whether you identify with these people who lived and breathed protection and defense of the weak and vulnerable, I, I certainly don't identify as somebody who's taking up arms against the pro-abortion movement. I, I hope and pray that I would have had the courage to take up arms in, in the First and Second World War. I have no idea if I would have. What I do know is that I, I need to continue doing whatever I can to protect the weak and vulnerable. And as we mentioned off the top, and as I, I mentioned time and time and time again, the pro-life movement, CCBR, the pro-life guys podcast, Mark Harrington, I speak on behalf of an awful lot of people. We absolutely and unequivocally condemn all forms of abortion-related violence. This cannot be met with blow for blow. This cannot be met with um, revenge and, and um, payback and all these kinds of things. 
if if you find that that would be cathartic, then give me a call. Please, please, please do not go out and vent your anger over the last 50 years of, of bloodshed around this issue by shedding more blood. Let's not go into this. Let's not give them... I don't know if it's giving them what they want, but let's not turn this into a me versus you. Those who are advocating in favor of abortion are not our enemies. Our enemies are powers and principalities, not the individuals that are confronting us. They need to be met with love, with charity, with support, with with understanding. And and that doesn't mean not protecting yourself. That does not mean um, allowing yourself to be harmed and and impacted, whether you're willing to endure that or not, please consider those around you, those others in the movement right now and in the future. But please, 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 let's meet this with um, genuine Christian love. Let's meet this with charity. Let's meet this with grace. Let's meet this with courage. Let's continue engaging in our pro-life and outreach. Let's continue um, supporting moms and dads. Let's continue our political action. But let's not do this in a confrontational way. Let's not try to bring up upon ourselves the rage and frustration that is probably going to come about um, after this ruling is released. Let's be wise. Let's be prudent. Let's follow the, the guidance and suggestions of Mark Harrington. So thanks a ton. If you have any questions, if you need support, if you need help, if you just need somebody to help you cool off, if you're feeling incredibly frustrated, please, please, please don't hesitate to reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. Um, I'm sure Mark is happy to help as well, but you can hit me up, ccote at endthekilling.ca or email at prolifeguys.com. I'll try to get you back as quick as possible. But please, let's take this opportunity to build a culture of life, um, not in the, the fruity, flowery kind of way, but in the deep, profound kind of way where all human life is valued and protected and uh, we continue our ministry. So thanks a ton. Um, thank you for tuning in. And I will talk to you guys again next week. Thanks so much and God bless. Mm-hmm.